0: Hi, I'm Jay Ediden. And I'm Miles Stokes. And you're listening to Hawk
1: Talk. Where we talk hawks.
0: Now, normally in this uh, time slot, such as it is, you'd be listening to Jay and Miles explain the X-Men, a weekly podcast all about the ins, outs, retcons, clones, and time travel of comics' greatest superhero soap opera. But one week out of every four, we take the week off from being thoughtful, well-prepared, professionally produced podcasters— and um, we have Hawk Talk, and um, so you should know going in that this is unedited, largely unprepared for, and generally, um, well,
1: what it is. So, Miles, exactly. what are this week's hawks? This week's hawks are a graphic novel and another person on the show. So in this era of Hawk Talk's questionable existence— we are doing topics chosen by people who donated at a certain level during our April uh, fundraiser for Equality Florida, and uh, this week the generous donor in question is Dave Tomein, and we are here to talk to Dave about his graphic novel keeper. So, Dave,
2: thank you for being here. Thank you for being thank awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, also, as a as a fan of the show, it was great to just watch you do the intro. I didn't th- I didn't even think about that. Uh, that was great. <laughs>
1: yes yes and our, our tiny little uh recording app windows uh, here yes
2: <laughs> the potemkin studio's made
1: yes um but yeah uh dave we've we've both met you before in your uh, additional creative life because you were good at too many things god damn it uh
2: you're a musician yeah, hell, also man? yeah right um i'd say a mediocre at a couple of things <laughs> i mean i think you're pretty good but uh yeah
1: so listeners um dave is in a band or is like the central figure of a band called cave people which is pretty great and dave and i mm-hmm. both saw cave people when they slash dave uh was in our respective uh parts of the country and it was Do awesome you mean that you and
0: jay both saw cave people because if you and dave both saw cave people that would have been a trick
1: well i mean dave saw it too uh listen it's it's been a long week already it's, it's, it's like, talk, like talk you know
0: just a, a fully mirrored venue
2: you bump <laughs> that. Sometimes it'll um, be like a strange mirror, and you like get a little too much of yourself. It's like, oh no! <laughs> oh man! And then your
1: reflection just gives you a really scary look and starts advancing uh-huh. <laughs> toward the mirror itself, and you, oh, yeah. that's wrong.
0: I've been watching Dead End Paranormal Park, so that's sort of what's in my head right now as far as weird mirror scenes.
1: <gasps> Mirrors are creepy. Always have been. Uh, but we immediately digress as we so often do. Um, the point is while cave people is great and listeners, if you're into singer songwriter stuff or just good music, definitely check that out. Uh, we're here to talk about, um, your graphic novel keeper, which, uh, came out
2: earlier this year, right? Um, Oh God, I don't even know the date that it came out. Uh, self-publishing is funny when, uh, it wasn't in stores at the time. I just kind of released it online. So I feel like we just kind of picked a date, uh, but I feel like it was August, maybe? came out in August, let's say. Oh, okay. It feels so kind of like for, a summery comic. Yeah. Like.
0: For, for being a Really, I think it feels really autumnal, but...
1: Oh, okay. Maybe it's it just all the, all thing, the but green colors.
0: I was going to say, for Benighted Souls unfamiliar with Keeper, can you give us sort of the elevator pitch?
2: Uh, Keeper is about... Um, it's about, like, returning to, like, a childhood and your past and, like, that kind of, uh, I don't know, wide-eyed, in a sense, as a way of um, dealing with your present and, like, the, the struggles that um, we face and, like, the struggles with staying, uh, with, like, maintaining and keeping going on um, and, like, hoping in light of uh, a lot of, like, difficult things. Um, it's kind of about, like, looking back as a way of looking forward.
1: Yeah, it's got this sort of um, dreamlike sort of metaphorical feel to it that still feels very immediate, which I thought was really cool. Thank you.
0: Yeah, the word that comes to mind for me, and it may be largely a byproduct of talking animals, is fable.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, in general, I've always been, like from from being a little kid to now, I've always really enjoyed um, fables and like... uh, stories like that uh so i think that that's really apt to uh to call it that um i would be you know i'm honored to call it a fable i would say <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh so in addition to you doing the writing um it was rosovia that did the art and cj walker doing color flatting and cleanup and letters i always want to say by richard starkings and <laughs> comic craft but that's not the case um in this case it's frank uh K- K- i'm so sorry i'm probably mangling that. Uh, but uh, yes yeah, all good stuff and um the the art and uh writing work together really well how did you find uh ro sovia as your uh, artist
2: Roe came to a cave people show the last one we played before uh um like covid lockdown um and it was like a really emotional show because it was a, a part of like a tribute series to a, a friend of ours that had passed away um and uh Ro and CJ both came up to me after and handed me like gifts. And I was like, what, what is this stuff? Um, and I was like, I was, we just finished. I was like breaking things down on stage. Uh, and like, someone's like, uh, I think our, our guitar player's like mom was there and she was like trying to introduce me. So I was like, oh, thank you so much. Like, I'll, I'll check these out. Um, I had to talk to a mom right now. I'm going to open these, but I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, and then I opened them a second later and they were custom made. Uh, it was like a, a poster for the show that they had printed um, that was like skinned to look like my favorite anime. And then uh, a custom made mug of the same anime. And I was like, oh my God, uh, who are these people? Um, so we just started talking then and they were, they were both so nice uh, and so cool and so talented. And I followed them on um like Twitter and stuff. And then Ro put out a really terrific uh, comic about a mime um, uh, or a clown. It's just a clown. It's not a mime. Uh, and after I saw that, I was like, oh, I should talk to Ro. Maybe uh, they would want to work on, you know, this project with me. And they were, you know, incredible to do with. So, so talented.
0: So this this was a project that, that existed for you or that you were working on before the full team was together.
2: Yeah, I think for the most part, I've almost always written... Um, on my own and then kind of tried to find a team after that or tried to still be open to uh, collaboration once those scripts are done. But um, a lot of times I'm just like, okay, well, I should figure out what this is and what the script is like. So I can show that to someone and and then say like, do you want to do this? Is this something you're interested in? Um, Which usually I'm not convinced that that's the best way for me to do it. Like I'd love to be working with someone ahead of time, be able to really work that stuff out. Um, But given the kind of like, given the nature of, like, oh, like, I don't always know the time frame of things, it's sometimes easier just to be, like, okay, I have a script. Um, It's not, like, set in stone at all. We'll change things. We'll talk about things. We'll, like, uh, mix things up. But, um, like, for now, it's just always been, like, okay, I'll write, and then I'll kind of find uh, an artist who's interested after when I have, like, something to show them.
1: As far as uh, the types of script you do and working with Rhodes, you tend to script pretty tightly in terms of you know panel layout and stuff like that, or just leave that as more of a thing for the artist and do more just dialogue and structure. Like, uh, how does that work in general and how, with you? And how does that did that work with you? I and think Rhodes? my
2: true preference is to do dialogue and like general things going on, um, like closer to like a Marvel style-ish rather than. Um, like hard because I feel like as a designer I'm not always that's not like my strongest point or like uh I think I this I have fun ideas for page layouts but I feel like I trust my artists so much more to be like no this is what makes sense or this is what's gonna look cool um but because I don't always know the artist ahead of time or like for the most part have never known the artist ahead of time I usually try to at least have like uh I always write like with panel breakdowns and layouts um and then when I'm talking to the the artist or anything, I'm always like, okay, well like this is what I thought, but like you let me know what we want to do different, like change things. Just let me know so I can like adjust the script or I'll go over after. But, um, it's never, even when I do do like, you know, panel one through five, this is what's going on in each of them. I never, uh, as long as like the story doesn't drastically change without me knowing, I'm never like, uh, worried about that or like, uh, really like cemented in that
0: so very quickly a disclaimer um because hawk talk is hawk talk um so t is actually recording a different podcast in another room and while we have a closed door between us we have a fairly small apartment so if you're hearing occasional strains of a fourth voice bleeding through that's what's going on um <laughs> yep but going back to keep our dave um you you were talking about sort of scripting and and degree of direction. And there's one detail that really stuck out to me that I was wondering whether it had come in the writing or in the art, which is um, that we only see the main character's face in flashback.
2: That was very intentional for me from the beginning. um, Because it is like a, I guess if you, if you like know me, it's a pretty poorly kept secret that like, um, it's like a fairly autobiographical comic. Um, in a way that it's not me, but in some ways is me. And I didn't want to write myself into the comic, uh, any more than I already had. Um, and I wanted the, the adult figure to be ambiguous, um, for a lot of reasons. So I wanted, uh, to like show this, like, uh, you know, Bill, the, the younger kid, um, clearly. And then was like, okay, like, uh, it's more about like his journey than it was about, um, you know the adult version um even if like the what the adult version takes with them afterwards is uh based on you know bill's journey
1: yeah that definitely seemed to be um the focus like the the visuals i thought were um were real striking for that like it almost reminded me a bit of the movie version of the wizard of oz where we go from black and white to color like once there's that page turn into the flashback that takes up the majority of the story like the colors are just so bright and lush in a way that they were more subdued and quiet before like it's a hell of a sure and i love
2: that moment uh and that's like that's why that moment is like the the title page of it it's like uh the first kind of parts which maybe is a bad idea for the beginning of a comic because it doesn't might not necessarily grab you uh but i feel like the first couple pages are like walking up to that moment when like it starts with a uh, kind of like the title card and that vibrance uh, and you get to see the ca- the main character's face for the first time. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, talking about the contrast as well. I mean, the Jay, you, you described keeper as, as a fable and I, I agree. Um, and yeah, the flashback that, that is most of the comic it's, it's fantastic. Like we get, we get talking animals almost immediately. we get, uh metaphor you know we we see the um the closet door and the attic door that are like this that the narrator mentions are scary parts of their childhood like as elements in the plot of the flashback and so yeah i mean should we talk some about kind of the the content of the story kind of where it goes and some of the symbolism in there yeah let's do it
0: <laughs> Ah, sorry Pick
1: up. hell yeah we should <laughs> um so yeah like a lot of the story is bill uh hanging out with animals like talking animals both sort of friendly and and not um and the two right away that jumped out the most at me that were just so striking were the uh the pair of wolves that are sort of this this threat within the woods that are normally bill's escape so i'd love to hear more more about them
2: uh yeah, absolutely. They, um, as, a, as a kid, I uh, I always feel like it sounds like I'm making this up, but I used to have this recurring dream about, like, a, a, a wolf, like, attacking me in my backyard. There was never wolves anywhere around there. Like, I didn't, I was in, like, the suburbs. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then in that dream, like, another wolf would come uh, and attack that wolf, and they would just kind of, like, fight for a second, and I never really found out what happened. So I knew, uh, because it was so referential to, like, not my childhood, but my childhood, I wanted to have that. And then, um, I feel like at that point I wanted the wolves to stand in for like, um, almost like as a, as a kid, these like almost like predatory notions of like right and wrong or like watching, uh, these like black and white things kind of like fight in a way that doesn't make sense or feels like they're like tearing you apart rather than, uh, Like helping or or supporting in a way um i feel like uh thinking about them as like binaries too just like um this idea that things need to be one way or the other and there's not room for things in the middle or things to be different i feel like being really difficult when you're young or when you're told that's the way it needs to be and then um like the fact that they're the things that end up like taking or like hurting um you know the fox character which is like uh Kind of like Bill's like best friend at the time, or like you know, this this symbol of like uh, youthfulness or like playfulness and like abundance. Um, uh, I think uh, <laughs> losing my train of thought a little bit, but
0: <laughs> they they feel, and I don't know whether it's just because they're in a scarier setting, and one's black and one's white, or what, but they feel very much sort of like the prescriptiveness of adulthood edging in on or taking over kind of the discovery of childhood yeah
2: absolutely very much so um
0: you're you're experiencing things versus filtering that through through a lot of shoulds
1: mm -hmm. and i found it interesting as well that like when bill um goes back uh to if i'm remembering this correctly when bill goes back to try to find the fox who you know was left with the wolves when bill ran away like they're behind that closet door that the narrator mentions Bill was always scared of, like as, as a child, you know? And so for me, that's where it started to seem more like, you know, more of a, the metaphor seemed to get a little bit more specific. Sure. And I think so much of,
2: uh, Keeper in general, uh, is like in those moments is really about, um, fear and admitting fear and being like, uh, like Bill keeps calling himself a coward throughout the whole thing. Um, and I think, uh, it's important within it to be like, yes, uh, I am afraid. I feel fear, but like, I'm still here. You know, I'm, I did run away, but I'm back and I'm not even necessarily like, uh, confident or like, uh, I don't like, I'm not back with like a sword and a shield. I'm just like quivering, but I'm going through this, you know, I'm not running away from this. Uh, so I feel like making the first one, like that situation, the closet door, um, it's just, like, facing that fear in a way that, like, isn't necessarily, like, uh, exciting or feeling particularly brave, but still facing it. Still, like, confronting that thing because uh, there's something more valuable than fear, like, behind it, potentially. mm mm-hmm.
1: And it's kind of, I mean, it's it's sad, but I really liked that, you know, Wimbledon goes back to find the fox. Like, the fox isn't okay like it's not just this this heroic rescue and everything's fine like that just almost seems like another another challenge to confront that like sense of well that didn't work i wasn't able to fix things
0: for sure something has changed irrevocably
2: yeah and i think uh for a comic that's both about being a kid and growing up uh it would have felt um really insincere i think to be like oh everything's fine um because i think very much uh It is about things happening that are irrevocable, but that, uh, hopefully the culmination of it ends up being that, like, um, even if you don't keep the things that you, you wanted or if they change, um, there's still parts or things that, like, you carry with you, um, and that, uh, it's, it's easy to focus on, uh, loss and the things that are lost rather than, um this, like, sense of the things that are, are carried on, um, even if they're not the same. Even if they seem, like, precious and fragile, um, I think they're still present.
0: Something that comes up a lot in talking about, about comics and stories in general is people, you know, writing the stories that they wish they'd had as kids. And in this one, you know, you talked about it being so you know semi-autobiographical having having a protagonist who's 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 rooted in your own childhood experiences and i'm wondering coming up with that who's what what's the audience that you imagined as you were writing this um to to the extent that that stories are are inevitably for someone whom is this one for uh
2: i think selfishly when i started this it was like uh an exercise like it was um it was still locked down. Um, I had just gone home to like, uh, take care of some things. Um, and, uh, I was just like, I haven't done a script in a while. I should do that. Um, and as it went on, um, cause I think there's a lot of specificity to it, but there's also, I think a, a certain vagueness or a certain ability, um, to apply your own situations and things or to read into like wolves and the crows and all these things as things that can apply to you. Um, and that was intentional on my part to not make it uh, intensely about, to both be very specifically, like, about things in my childhood to me, but also leave them, like, like fertily ambiguous to other people. Um, so I guess in, in audience, I think, uh, like, I'd like to think that it's for, like, anyone who's struggling to feel, like, a sense of, like, wonder or, like, hope in light of... Uh, like a, an almost constant barrage of things that want to take that away. You know, there's like the, the big things like these, these wolves that are, you know, ripping things apart. And then like, uh, you move on to like the crows and sort of these like little things that on their own, not like these, these, uh, like tiny little pecs or whatever as a, as a thing might not, uh, seem like the biggest deal, but together like over time and in this, in this group, uh, are like more overwhelming than anything. And I feel like, uh, just to show people um, like almost like an, an innocent going through that and like persevering with something, even if it's not what they wanted uh, to come out of that with, with some understanding or some, some conclusion, uh, I think is hopefully, uh, I guess hopefully hopeful uh, or uh, just to exhibit that like, there's, there's reason to keep going and there's ways to to reconnect with like, Wonder and fantasy that aren't necessarily, um, strictly escapism, but that can like be nurturing and sustaining, uh, in a world that doesn't really give you a lot of time or, uh, you know, doesn't give a lot of, uh, importance to that always.
1: Yeah. And like, as we talk about this, I mean... I think that's an important thing to to focus on is, like, we've been talking about all this dark stuff, you know, the wolves and the crows. Like, I love that image of all of the crows coming together to form, like, a big shape of a crow that they all make up. But, like, it's also just a really fun, enjoyable comic. Like, yeah, it's about a lot of trauma. And I definitely, like, you know, connected it to various events in my own past. I, I suspect anybody would. But it's also just this wonderful, just lush world you get to inhabit for, for what is it, 40, 48 pages. And, like... I, I love the way that sort of pleasant, welcoming feeling can coexist with the dark stuff. I mean, that kind of seems to be like part of, part of the point, but it, it
2: works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think if anything, I wish that I spent, uh, more time in that, uh, when I go back, cause I, I was like rereading, I mean, I read it a ton once it was like, uh, going through various, uh, like printing stages and stuff. Um, but I was rereading it before this and just like wishing that I had spent, uh, just more time like in the woods or fleshing things out or giving more time to like uh like fox and like uh frog and mantis to like um just like build them up a little bit or like let that uh that scenery in that location come a little more alive before things start to get like terrible <laughs>
1: It's uh, I I do love that the first characters, the first animals we meet are Frog and Mantis, though, because they're just sort of like, hey, we're talking Frog and Mantis. We're just going to be super chill at you and talk cryptically, but, like, it's fine. Like, they were almost this really mellow, non-mean, like, Statler and Waldorf commenting on, you know, Bill's presence there. But, like, you know, in a pleasant way. That's great. I love that. Um, So...
0: Um, so you talked about, uh, you mentioned sort of fables as as an inspiration in this, and I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about what else informed sort of your approach to this story, either in terms of structure and, and comics or just in terms of the elements of the story itself. Because I, I can definitely think of of things it reminds me of, but I, I don't know whether those would be are, are accurate as antecedents or not. hmm
2: um, I think I should just, I should uh think ahead i should come prepared with like these are the things that i was thinking of specifically when i did this <laughs> oh we're not we're not prepared no. a, <laughs> it's it okay a is... uh, i think it's something i i should expect to know um uh i think even specifically with uh and mandos i was definitely thinking of and like trying not to rip off but having fun with thinking of like those old frog and toad books um and the way they can mm-hmm. kind of have this weird like back and forth speak with each other. Um, yes. Uh, one of the things that I know that uh, Roe is definitely influenced by, because it's all over the, like the wolf and crow stuff. Um, there's definitely so much uh, Naruto in there. Um, the, the all like as soon as the the blacks and reds start coming in i was like oh my god you're doing the show right now and that's kind of awesome um but in general i've always like loved stories in general but like i grew up on like fairy tales and things like that i grew up on the like kid wanders into the woods and uh things are not what they seem or like adult wanders into the woods and struggles more with things not being what they've seen what the, uh, what they seem because they're not a kid anymore um so I wanted to take that, like, that, um, kind of, like, Green World move and make it, like, uh, like, rather than putting, like, adult Bill in the woods and, like, seeing this stuff, um, to have, like, adult Bill go there, but then to, like, through those, the, the, this, like, these childhood memories and these, like, uh, youthful eyes, um, like take something away from that or have like a positive experience rather than, um, you know, returning to return to it as an adult and having this, like, Oh, this is so weird kind of thing. Um, I wanted to have like, uh, even like the, the journey into fantasy, which I think can sometimes in stories be, uh, like frightening or like it can be dangerous. I wanted it to be like, uh, exciting and like, uh, restorative. Um, even if the way it gets there is by going through some like kind of, kind of terrible things.
1: Totally. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, as we, as we were talking about so much of it's about like what the adult keeps. And so kind of revisiting that, you know, revisiting the parts that have, have stayed there. Um, that was that was very cool i mean that's right there in in the title in fact so that was sort of something Mm -hmm. that was in in my mind as i was reading the entire thing like okay how does this tie in and it it wraps it up quite neatly but in a way that i think kind of leaves it open to interpretation for the individual reader like that's what it it almost reminds me bear with me this is going to make sense i think um it kind of reminds me of the silent protagonist trope in like video games and like rpgs Where the idea is that you can sort of put yourself in the position of that character because there's not a lot of like defined specificity. And that's not the case with young Bill, but like with the adult character, we do get some specifics, you know, that character's home um, after losing a friend and stuff. But like it stays vague enough that it's so easy to just slot yourself into that to think about like kind of what what applies in your own life in your own world about the stuff that you have kept versus focus on loss and uh, listeners. If you can't tell, I, I really like the comic. It's, it's a good comic.
0: <laughs> well, in the ubiquity of the experience of going back to a house with things that scared you as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think like, like for, for me, I think for almost everyone, there's that like, that's going to automatically bring up a very specific place, whether it's the room that you had as a kid or, or, you know, a place where you've stayed or something. I mean, for me, it's very, very much my grandmother's house when I was growing up.
1: I was thinking exactly that, Shay. your your, your grandmother's house. Like, I remember you telling me when the first time I was there kind of about all of your different associations, 100%. It was a weird
0: place. It was, there was also, I mean, in the room where we stayed, there was this wall where she, my grandmother was a really, really avid horror reader and she kept all of her horror. She she had this huge shelf of, of her horror novels in there. And if you've looked much at, at, at mass market horror novels, like they've all got that creepy, like creepy little illustrations on the spine or creepy fonts. And this just scared the hell out of me when I was a little kid. Like, there was just this mm-hmm. wall of, like, these weird, like, glimpses
2: of nightmare imagery. I think uh, it's creepier on the spine than it is to, like, look at the cover. Like, to not even, like, attempt oh, yeah. to see it and just have it there is really, really frightening.
1: Yeah. I mean, in that way, it almost reminds me of closet doors or attic doors. It's not the door that's... Mm-hmm. um. Like, the door being there is what makes it scarier, because then you can't actually see what's beyond it. You just imagine. You just wonder. Yeah.
0: Well, and doors either keep something out or keep something in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it was interesting to me that, like, one of the first things we see in the comic is the the adult version of the protagonist talking about how the doors uh, to the attic, to the um, to the closet, are not scary... Anymore. There's almost this like this remove from both the positive and the negative emotions of all those childhood experiences.
2: Yeah, I think uh so much of it, um especially in that point is like, you know, you're you're coming home to like the place you grew up. Um and I think that can be a really weird experience of being like, you know, what is this place to me Is it um obviously a lot of very formative things have happened here, but uh You know, I'm not who I was when those were happening. Um, There's a lot to, you know, find waiting for you in a lot of ways. Uh, And then, like, you come to the closet door and the the attic door, which, like, are maybe, like, you know, the first adversaries this person has ever known. Um, And uh, in a way, there's almost, like, a a resigned piece with them or just, like... uh, And part of it, I think, is about losing... um, that wonder or that like willingness to like uh like believe a little more um to be like you know it's just a closet it's just an attic door whereas to young bill um you know everything was alive everything was hiding something everything had like a discovery behind it uh so um I feel like it it definitely like I want to both so there used to be a feeling about highlight that like um that fear that uh that belief that there could be more than just like a closet door and an act there uh, are gone, you know, Um, they're not present. uh, And a big part of it is not necessarily about uh, becoming afraid of your closet and your attic door again, but like, uh, but opening yourself up to like uh, feeling more and and believing more, like embracing uh, like wonder a little more.
0: The sense of possibility that goes with,
2: yeah absolutely yeah like
1: the, mm-hmm. the idea that you have to be sort of open to the the dark as well as the light like almost the 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 duality as compared to the previous duality of the black and white wolves like maybe that's too many dualities maybe we're getting into exponents at this point <laughs> i like think we're
0: into quadrality at this point
1: I quadrality down okay a, quadrality, quadrality. Yeah. i think that could be nice <laughs> there we go. You, when you write the sequel, that's your new title,
2: Keeper, and then Keeper: oh. colon Quadrality.
0: A funny thing about um, except oh, uh, one of the one of the letters has to be a number.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean the the, the fours, the A's could be fours. So that would be easy.
0: Yeah, Perfect. and then every, but then everyone <laughs> will think it's Volume Four or Volume um, Forty Four. also fair.
2: I'll have to write forty two more, uh, and then we can do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I I'm up for more. Although man, I'm trying to imagine how you would even do a sequel to the story. Like it's just so, so neatly contained. I don't
2: expect a sequel to Keeper. her. Um, Cause a couple of people have asked me if, if I would. Um, and like, I feel like beyond like the, the inevitable, like looking back and be like, Oh, I wish I did this differently. Or I wish I did more or less or whatever. Um, I think I did for the most part, like tell the story I wanted to tell there. Um, and I don't necessarily think, uh, i would like return to that um i'm definitely working on new stuff now but uh, pretty like detached and separate from from the, the world of keeper
0: that feels very much like a complete story so while i'm thinking about it where can folks who are interested in reading this find us uh
2: they can get it at keepercomic.bigcartel.com uh you can get it at uh feast evil no spaces dot uh, com that's row and cj's site there's a lot of really cool stuff there uh if you like like prints or keychains they do a lot of like fun anime stuff um comics there uh and if you're in the philadelphia area you can get it at uh lingerette records uh you can get it at um the head in the hand which is a bookstore uh, and you can get it at partners and sons which is a really cool like independent comic store uh also in philadelphia
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. Cause we read the, um, the digital copy of it. So it's, uh, it's, it's physically printed as yeah, well. Yeah. This is the awesome. first,
2: um, I used to do more digital comics like years ago and kind of, uh, just got like distracted with other things, but this is the first time I've ever, uh, printed like a physical comic, which, uh, it was really nice. It felt really good to have like a, a physical copy in my hand of something
1: man i get that and um i mean especially i'd imagine as as a musician as things get more and more digital like i know um for a while at least you were doing uh cassettes of, of your music as well as, as oh, other for stuff, sure right?
2: i love cassettes uh i think they're fun and and like tactile uh and everyone listens to music digitally anyway so it's like a really i think it's a fun uh, like collector's item to have that is also significantly cheaper and easier to get than like good vinyl right now forever ever, mm-hmm.
0: I like the imprecision of them. That you need you you and even if you're trying to get to a specific place, you end up listening to bits of things around yeah.
2: it. Yeah, it forces an experience. There's nice no way. there's
0: no just skipping to the track.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, uh, I mean, as we just tangent for even more about cassettes, one of the th- so I grew up in cassettes as well. Like I had my you know I listened to my dad's mm-hmm. records, but my format was cassettes. And I think that's part of why I became such an album listener, not, like, a single listener. Yeah. Although, because singles <laughs> certainly did exist, and "a single <laughs> is a really fun word to say. But um, but I like that, you know? Like, it forces you to sort of listen to the songs that maybe didn't jump out at you at first and just sort of not only get a feel for the album as a whole, but also, like, find new things within tracks you might otherwise have have overlooked. And I dig that. Like, I'm a completionist in video games, and apparently I'm a completionist <laughs> in media in general,
2: I think that's but, great, and I feel like, uh, especially, I think it depends on what you're doing. But I feel like with the the last record we put out, I really wanted it to be like, like a capital A album. Like these songs are like referring back and forth to each other. Like I wanted to reward that, like kind of like let's listen to the whole thing and then do it again.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, of course, like with the graphic novel, that's that's sort of the deal. I guess you could just skip around to your favorite couple pages, but like i mean okay weird question but what's that like like you know there's the flow of an album and then there's the flow of a comic and a comic is all one unit an album is composed of tracks like when you were making keeper did you sort of think of it in terms of different different movements or was it all just one greater work aside from like flashback versus present day stuff like within the flashback did you sort of divide that up in your head
2: i definitely i had outlined like just for myself before i even started writing what the beats were going to be um I don't think I approached it the same way I would, like, an album, um, but I definitely had, like, pretty curious like, because it wasn't just, like, present day flashbacks. and that, It was very much, like, okay, this is the scene, and these are, like, the moods of these scenes, and then uh, we'll move on to, like, the next scene, and, like, maybe a little bit in between this helps, helps to bridge those moods, which I guess is not unlike what I might do with like track listing or setting up like, uh, the order of a record or something. Um, but I feel like it felt like a very different thing to me too. Cause I feel like, uh, like, in a in a comic, you want every scene to count and you don't want anything to feel like it's just there to get you to the next point. Um, but I feel like with songs in general, uh, even more so you really want every song to be hopefully like a good song. Some won't be, that's just how it is. Uh, but that like, they all kind of need to stand on their own. And I feel like within a comic, there's a little more uh, room to be like the scenes around this justify this like in between scene or something. Um, everything doesn't need to have like a begin. Every scene itself doesn't necessarily have like a beginning, middle of end, like rising action, falling action kind of thing. Um, but like the overall narrative can, whereas I feel like uh, musically you kind of want, even if, you, if they're better altogether, like you kind of hope that you could pull any of those songs out and be like, Oh, this is cool. Or I like this on its own. This would yeah, make a good single
0: as it were.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what the singles from different comics would be, but yeah, it's hard to imagine doing that like with a comic. You know, yeah, you have your more um, the parts that jump out at you more. Like, there some of the panels of the wolves and the crows, especially, were just like striking. Yeah. And then there's that first title page as well. But like, you wouldn't have the effect of that title page if it were not the page turn onto it, from sort of the muted, subdued colors to this just like full page spread of Little Bill in in the woods. Um, that's something like, as we've talked about more comics over the last <laughs> number of years that we've been doing explain the X-Men, um, that we've, that <laughs> I have, have started paying much more attention to, like just the pacing of it. Cause boy, howdy that can make or break a comic as can page structure. There was one page of Keeper mm-hmm. that I really dug. It's where Bill is going, um, up into the sort of fantasy attic to find the crows and like the panels move from bottom left to top, right. As do the, uh, the captions. Like it's such a cool, structural bit of guiding you not just like visually but also kind of conceptually i love that that part
2: uh was like very row right there like uh i had like some description of of that but like uh they really came in and were like no this is how this page looks uh and it was i was like blown away when i saw it uh like this is the way you read up the page while uh he's climbing up is just uh, I think it's so cool and that was definitely uh, their input more than it was uh, my own uh but yeah I, I really love that stuff and I try to it's things I want to work on and get better with um like exploring fun page structure things that are like helpful and not distracting while also working on just like pacing in general um as I like continue on as a writer and stuff
0: Something that really struck me and I think it's because it's something that I see less and less as people optimize comics more and more for handheld devices um or the way the way that Roe uses vertical panels.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: That's really really beautiful and really really just again an increasing at an, an increasing and kind of tragically increasing rarity.
1: Mhm. Ah yeah it's 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 so good structurally i mean even there are some pages where um there's actually like a lot of white space which i i'm not enough of a visual person to understand why that works other than that it does yeah i think
2: my favorite page like one of my favorite pages in the whole thing is um it's right when bill has like run out of the woods for the first time uh and there's just so much black around the page like the pan there's one panel at the bottom um that's just like him running out at dusk, but the rest of the page is just all black. And I'm like, I feel like someone else might be like, Oh, that's a waste of space. But I think that image is, is so yeah. arresting. Um, I, I keep meaning I'm going to order like a print of it. Cause I love it so much.
0: Uh, well, it, it pulls your focus to one very specific image and one very specific moment while still establishing it as very, very small, mm-hmm. which is, is, kind of the the advantage to that kind of that kind of a black field in comics because obviously you know you can you can have the punctuation moment that's a, a spread or a splash page but something that that gives that that presents scale in the opposite direction or emphasizes scale in the opposite direction is i think much harder to
2: achieve yeah i agree
1: so we talked through some of the art, some of the characters and the, the plot in general. Um, Dave, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, about Keeper? I feel like we could go on forever, but, but then it would just be much longer than actually reading Keeper, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, but, um, but yeah, is there anything else you want to, you want to touch on?
2: Um, I feel like, I think we covered a lot, um, yeah i don't i feel like we yeah i think we' have touched a lot of wonderful things uh, I appreciate um you know both of your your thoughtfulness towards it uh as two people who i, I you know respect so much both as people and as uh, uh comics aficionados uh, it, it means so much to have you um you know spend time with something that I've written
0: It's a really thank lovely you. book thank you
2: yeah. It is. It very
1: much is. Um, so yeah, listeners, you know, check it out. If uh, we would never help force anyone to do anything, but but I think a lot of folks would like it. It's it's really beautiful. Uh, yeah, we'll, so we'll stick a people, link on the website. Yes. Uh, so if people like Thanks. beautiful things and/or things that that you make, Dave, where can they find your stuff? We talked about Refine Keeper, but um, I know you also do music. You do uh, lots of creative yeah. stuff. Uh,
2: K people is on just about all the streaming services. Uh, you can find all of our stuff at, uh, as well. Um, you can find me at, uh, cave underscore people on Twitter and, uh,
0: for as long as, it, as, lasts. Long as it lasts.
2: Uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, should also, uh, uh, I have a, another Twitter called, uh, at FF bedtime. It's, uh, a super Nintendo final fantasy account, right? As post, uh, two images during the day and then a bedtime image when everyone's like in an inn going to sleep. Uh, so that sounds fun. Check that out. I only have like 10 followers.
1: <laughs> oh, you're going to have 11 because that is, I feel like that is specifically directed toward people like me. I love oh, everything I, about I'm that. I'm so
2: glad miles. <laughs> I love it too. I will, I'll do it for no one, but myself. <laughs> yes.
0: I appreciate oh. the singular focus. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh well thank you so much um for for being on the show for uh donating to Equality florida and also just for making a bunch of really cool shit and putting it out into the world like mm-hmm. for real
2: that's awesome <laughs> you. and thank you so much for doing uh you know this fundraiser uh it's good to see uh there's so much bad things going on often it's really nice to see people uh using you know their positions and their platforms to do things that are good
1: oh <sighs> what a world what a world but yes we, we we try and uh yeah uh so i guess we will be back uh in a week with with actual x-men stuff and actual um editing and so uh yes uh dave thank you listeners thank you for listening and we will see you all soon out there in the 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 internets the, the assorted spaces in in cybers uh and otherwise the and other lines that the the tubes, the series thereof. The tubes. Uh, yes. Literal.